GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Election Watch with James Niche on Radio Gibraltar. It's not even a week since we heard this. A general election will be held in Gibraltar in October. And what a week it's been. Hello, good evening and welcome to Election Watch, a new programme on Radio Gibraltar in the run-up to the election. I'm James Niche and every Monday evening I'll be joined by guests as we try to make sense of what's happening in the election campaign. Already the poll everyone's talking about. The number of people who don't know how they will vote or are not saying at this stage hold the balance of power. The new faces standing for election. Because essentially it is an honour to be a representative for my people and for Gibraltar. As the GSLP membership sets to approve its lineup this evening, the GSD discuss theirs. And today we learned Together Gibraltar was not contesting the election. We have to acknowledge the lack of traction we've had and the lack of time we've had to really get a team together and invest in them in the way that we'd like. It's set to make the election a two-horse race for government as the GSLP Liberals and GSD battle it out for the keys to number six. To convene the 2023 general election for the 12th of October this year. We've been ready. We've got our manifesto ready, our programme for government ready. You will judge the suitability of myself and anybody else who puts their name forward for the role to get your vote, to get the job done after the 12th of October. We're going to have a very competitive field of candidates and we're going to roll out our policies. That's what we're going to do. We're going to do so dynamically. Getting the job of Chief Minister done requires commitment, conviction and connection. I'm joined in the studio this evening by the former news editor at GBC, Stephen Niche, and a former MP, now former MP, and a former leader of Together Gibraltar, Marlene Hassan. Good evening to you both. Good evening, James. Good, evening. Good, Good evening, to see you, first of all, of course, my former colleague Stephen. We've done many programmes together. How does it feel to be back behind oh, the microphone? Absolutely great. <laughs> I might be angling for your job next. <laughs> well, Stephen, you're very welcome. Marlene, welcome to the programme. Thank uh, you, James. Wearing a, a slightly different hat. You're absolutely. helping us analyse the poll this evening. On the other side of the mic, much more relaxing, and it's great to finally judge and not be judged for a difference. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to start it's with fun. Stephen, but now that you've said that, how are you feeling? Are you actually feeling relieved that you're not standing or tell me the truth are you missing it a little bit i have to say i'm extremely relieved i think i gave it enough time i explained my reasons and i'm in a place now where i can really enjoy watching how the campaign unfolds of course you miss the the intrigue and the the day-to-day there's a lot of excitement with it but there is a hell of a lot of tension as well and i i say this as a a vote of sympathy for for all the candidates standing because it is a very very tough few weeks and of course an uh, important day for the candidates uh, this evening we're going to talk more about that uh, later on perhaps news will filter of those candidates we know the uh, gslp the membership is ratifying theirs gsd meeting with theirs also uh, this evening so plenty happening on day one of election watch but let's start with the poll uh, Stephen. <clears throat> From you first, so your main takeaways from the poll. We've been reporting on it all day today, uh, but without trying to influence you at all, what do you read into it? Well, I think that um, the the main point that you've all been highlighting is the salient point of the whole poll, and that is the fact that there are so many people who apparently haven't decided yet which way they're going to vote. Um, we, we know, for instance, that 77% of the people that said they would be voting are 
I, I mean, they're absolutely or fairly certain to vote. But we also know that there are 30, even sometimes I think 40%, depending on the area uh, of the people sampled, who've said that they either don't know or they're going to split their votes or maybe they're even going to vote in blank. So there's, as you've been saying, it seems that there's everything to play for at this stage. Plenty to talk about. We're not in a rush. We're going to analyse question by question of this poll this evening. Marlene, first, uh, your main takeaway. So I think that we can infer that with the result of which party are you planning on voting for and the certainty that the GSLP base is not that big or it hasn't been that mobilised because we always um, talked about the 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 basic um, vote of the GSLP being between 35 and 40. So I think this is quite a blow for them. I think generally it's a bad day for the GSLP. Um, but of course there are many factors that are not yet um, out in the, in the open. So the variables can change and of course that will make a very big difference to the poll, which will make it much more representative Representative when these factors come out. There are other anomalies like Fabian Picardo being more popular than Keith Asopardi despite Keith Asopardi's party being in the lead. And um, of course, like I yeah, say... That's a significant uh, question. We'll come back to that mm-hmm. later. Yeah. And um, the the fact that the uh, there's a big chunk which is undecided and holds the balance of power, that is huge. And that means that both parties have to work very hard at, um, at capturing their imagination. Our job tonight is to ask all the questions and try to get behind every single piece of data here. When we look at that undecided vote, and like I say, we will go through the questions one by one, People have replied, don't know. Could there be an element, and Stephen, you've covered many elections before, you've been involved with many polls before. Is there also an element of people at this point not wanting to say how they're going to vote? Well, my, my feeling about that is that, obviously, it's, it's, we're generalising here, but I think that, on average, people who are more inclined to vote for the party in opposition are less likely to say how they're going to vote. Those that are going to vote for the party in power are usually more forthright in saying it. So if there's uh, 23% of people who are not certain or don't know, I think that more of those people will be inclined to vote GSD than GSOP Liberals. But of course, I mean, we don't know that for sure. That's just uh, a gut feeling from what I've, I've experienced at other elections and at other polls that we've done in the past. Right, Stephen Malen, let's go one by one. Question one on the poll was how certain are you that you will vote in the upcoming election? Um, Gibraltar traditionally quite good when it comes to turnout. I know that sometimes we speak of higher or lower turnout, but even lower turnouts in Gibraltar are relatively high compared to our other jurisdictions, I think. So is it a surprise, absolute certain, almost 60%? I think it's a good... It's a good um it's a good statistic for now when we still don't know who the candidates on either side are. I think it shows that the electorate is already engaged at this stage, but also shows that uh, that silence and that fear culture that we talk about is also present because people are not exactly being too generous with, uh, with their information or their decisions potentially um let's not forget there's also unfortunately in the poll there isn't a no vote option and there isn't a blank vote option either that is a vote type in itself sorry there is there is a a blank vote option in question two isn't there sorry yes in question two yes but when you talk about 
the 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 certainty mm-hmm. you haven't factored it in there may have like caused a different uh, result had you done so but i think that 60% is a good figure at this stage when people don't know we also see how the older voter is more certain and sure of how to vote um and that also points at more disengagement in the younger demographic and also malen um although 59% in the poll said they were absolutely certain which is the term that they used to vote 18% said they were fairly certain so if you put those two together it's it brings it to 77% yeah, and 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 if we're looking at comparisons in the last election and the one before that the turnout was 70% so if we have 77% plus a certain number more from the people who are not certain it's most likely to push the uh, total turnout to over 80% and it's also worth perhaps bearing in mind that when there's a high turnout or rather when there's been a change of government there's been a high turnout yeah. in 1996 for example when the GSD came into office the turnout was 87.7% and in 2011 when the GSP liberals came in it was 82.5% so again i think that if we're going to see a turnout of over 80% um Kitaso Pare may be a bit happier than Fabian Picardo mm-hmm. because of course that represents what eight to perhaps even almost nine of every 10 person exactly. polled that will turn out to vote and interestingly although we have a really high number of people who don't know how to vote what the poll is suggesting is that they're telling us well I don't know how I'm going to vote but I'm certainly going to be there and cast my vote yep. absolutely okay yeah. Uh, shall we go to question number two? Which party? This is this is a really interesting one, isn't it? Which party are you planning on uh, voting for? Um, can I just perhaps caveat this before we do the analysis that uh, together Gibraltar uh, was still expected to field candidates? We had, of course, uh, the news um, this morning. They came in at just under three percent of the vote, and, and obviously this poll was also conducted before news of the candidates were known. So people were sort of looking ahead. It was done in the week leading up to the announcement of the election it could have been that the election was not announced and then we were discussing this poll not in the context of a general election being announced it's just the timing has worked quite well i think for the poll but obviously again the caveat this result is without people knowing the candidates there is a question on how closely people are going to follow the candidates we'll talk about that later but steven your take on this question again here i i think that the interesting thing is that so there are so many people who don't know which way they're going to vote. Uh, I mean, 32%, I think, said that they didn't know, but if you add to that the people who are going to either blank votes or split their votes, which I think comes to around 20%, it means that 52% of everybody sampled doesn't know at this stage which way they're going to be voting. Mm-hmm. So I think that's quite quite interesting. I think that picking up on the together Gibraltar um issue whether they well if they stood they had that 3% and that 3% however small it is could have made all the difference to to whether uh, the new party the GST effectively would have come in or not we saw it in 2011 with a with a very small margin how it made a difference but now you actually have the previous 21% of together Gibraltar from 2019 
having, you know, no political home or having to make a decision where those votes go. And that would be interesting as to where that voter share will will translate because it's quite a, a significant chunk. But um, Let me put you on the spot on that. Uh, Alain, <laughs> where do you think they're going to go and w- would you endorse the GSD or the GSLP Liberals? Well, unfortunately, I can't endorse <laughs> anybody. Otherwise, I would have joined one of them. Um, this is why I left. But um, I think that... It's a very difficult question because on the one hand, the progressive voters might find it hard to join, to, to vote for GSD. But at the same time, the a lot of the voters or maybe all of the voters from Together Gibraltar were anti-government voters. So they will have a big dilemma between anti-government and progressive um, values to vote on. And I think that will be a real dilemma for the average past periods together. But do you think there's going to be... Sorry, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say that TNG, TG rather, were on on the verge of forming some sort of coalition, alliance... I think that would have actually been um, a good move for both of them um, in terms of capturing the voter share. But it didn't happen, so obviously that left together Gibraltar in the cold, effectively. But I think the GSD would have be- would have benefited from having the brand which is connected to progressivism and perhaps leaning a little bit more to the left and to the centre. Uh, but, you know, what's done is done, and, I, and it looks like the GSD could still have a victory from the indications. Like I say, let's not forget that many variables have not been taken um, into account in this um, in this poll, and um, the question I think among many people that I speak to is, do we vote for the devil we know or anything but the incumbent? I think that is the basic question that people are asking themselves. And can I just ask you about that three percent? I know you've you've gone back to to the last election with Together Gibraltar as well, but when we're looking at this kind of numbers, let's put aside the don't know for a minute or two. Um, when there's just a two to three-point lead for the GSD in this poll, mm-hmm. and we are saying, well, together Gibraltar didn't do that well, but it's 3%. That's what I'm saying. It, 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 is it, would have it can secured, swing it one way or the other. It would have can't, definitely can't it? secured. I mean, the irony is that, that Keith Azabardi's PDP swayed at the time the GSD back, uh, out of government on a very small um, margin. So you could see it happening in the reverse, but it also seems that the GSD seemed to have some momentum and they, um, they, they seem to be leading. But at the same time, like I say, I think the, the fact that you have, um, you have the leader falling back a little bit um, can have a big impact because, um, as we know in Gibraltar, it's always really been the leader who carries the party. So here there's a quite an anomaly. Don't forget that Garuana was also an unknown back in the day and people were so discontent that they voted him in and only got to know him later. Um, so I think it really boils down to the level of discontent. Um, we all know what uh, politicians say with polls. They will always say the one that matters is on the night, but we know that uh, certainly this morning they were closely following our website, our, our news summaries this morning, waiting for the poll to be released. Uh, we asked uh, the party leaders, Keith Asopardi and Fabian Picardo, uh, for their initial thoughts. I've been in politics for long enough to know that the only answer that is worth giving to any poll, especially a face-to-face poll, is to say that the only poll that matters is the secret ballot held at the time of the general election. The ballot that will be held on the 12th of October is the one that really matters. It's the one that we have to ensure 
we are getting right as political parties. We persuade people for the 12th of October. Obviously, the poll is uh, very important for us and it's very good news for the GSD. Uh, but of course, you know, it's always, it's only a poll and no uh, room for complacency. We are not complacent in the GSD and we will carry on working really, really hard, redoubling our efforts to make sure that we try to persuade as many people as possible to back the GSD to deliver the change that Gibraltar needs. Keith Hasobardi and Fabian Picardo speaking to us earlier. Initial reactions to the poll. Um, as we could have predicted, the poll that counts is on the night, but we know they've been following uh, this very closely uh, throughout the course of the day. I spoke to Jonathan Scott on Gibraltar Today um, earlier, and um, I almost use this version of if you are one of the politicians waking up this morning and you see this poll result and you see the GSD ahead, Marlene, you've been in politics, you know how it feels. How were the leaders of the GSD and the GSLP Liberals feeling this morning, do you think? I think we had one that felt very encouraged and another one that felt, oh my goodness, what's going on here? We're bleeding support a little bit. I think that is a, a very regular inference to make from here. But don't and you think that Keith Azobardi also looks at this poll and says, well, the GSD leads by two points, but then Fabian Picardo leads as the people's choice for chief minister? Yes, and I think it's an important factor because if the leader does not seem to be enamouring the electorate, that can also be a, a huge handicap for them because the leader tends to carry the party and, and sway the the voting to to their favour, whoever the most popular is. Um, but nevertheless, it is on the whole encouraging when your party is sort of slightly leading and is the underdog, shall we say, because on top of it all, they're not the incumbents. So we can't get away from the fact that Keith must have been happier than Fabian this morning, especially with other points that are coming out in the press, with intrigue that's been happening within the executive ranks. Uh, Stephen wants to come in. Do you agree? Well, I was just going to say that um, from the clip that you played, Keith is right not to be complacent, because let's not forget that when he was um, the leader of the PDP, he went to two elections, and I think he only got, his party only got 4% of the votes. And even last time in 2019, uh, where he was leading the party into the election, uh, um, Marlene, who's here with us, got more votes than he did. And I think two other members of his party, Damon Bosino and Daniel Thiessen, also polled higher than he did. So, right not to be complacent, then I'm sure he's going to have to redouble his efforts if he wants to win this election. And as everybody keeps saying, a week is a long time in politics. I think in today's world, 24 hours probably is. I think 12 hours is by the <laughs> looks of things these days. But don't forget, you also have the 8% of blank voters. That's quite a statement that yeah. we can't ignore. I mean, mm -hmm. parties, third parties often aim to get 8%. And yeah. you're looking at 8% that can go up or down depending on, on the array of candidates. So these people also have a big statement to make that they're not happy with the way the system is functioning and need to be um, listened to and... Uh, and, and understood in many ways. And 12% 12, 12 split vote as well. Well, exactly. Yes. It's 12% plus 8% that say that they will blank vote, which means one-fifth of the electors is, is in some measure uh, dissatisfied with the state of local politics. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. I'm just going to jump one question so that we can talk about the independence very briefly before we come to um, party leaders and chief ministers. Uh, because interestingly, I think, uh, would you consider voting for independent candidates? If I was standing as an independent candidate, and Marlene, you can help us out here as well, you know, you know how, how lonely it gets. Uh, mm -hmm. 
60% of the people said yes. Now, this is consider voting for an independent candidate. Does that, that then become reality? To James, I'm sorry again to have a go at your poll. No, Maybe no, You should no, have no, let me write the questions. This, but, is, this, is, this is exactly I, why you're here. But I find that um, when you say, would you consider... Um, it's very open-ended. You're not you're not asking will you will vote you for vote? an independent. Yeah. So anybody can say they will consider. In fact, you get when you get the spread of the demographics of the age range from the 18 to the over 60s. Um, the 18-year-olds start considering at 71%, and that goes all the way down to the over 60s at 41%, which means that the older generation naturally are more set in their ways, they might not want change, and they know who they're going to vote for, but all the way up to the 60s, you have 70, 60, 50% saying they would consider it. But why wouldn't they? Because mm. you could have a really strong independent who only takes up one vote, and, and they could go for it. And I think, in fairness... In this case, to Robert Vasquez, who has indicated for weeks that he's standing, perhaps his name as the as the independent who's come forward could have been in the in the mix in order to have a more realistic interpretation of how that independent is going to fag, just like you're doing with the two party leaders. Despite the use of language and the word consider, can I ask you, you look at this pie chart, 60 versus 40, does it encourage you to stand as an independent? I mean, Come on, Mel, bring up, leave me I think it's still very tough. It's still mm. very, very tough. And it takes a hell of a lot out of out of one independent who will know that they can't deliver much change, but hold government to account, which of course is extremely important. I like to think I've been doing that myself for a few years. But it's... Um, I don't think, I mean, I think it's very easy to say it at this point, but when push comes to shove, when you're behind that curtain, most people are going to block vote because exactly. they know that that's the only thing that changes the order of the day. Exactly, especially in a situation where it seems that the electorate is going to be quite polarised and that the results may be very close. Exactly. In that scenario, it's very difficult for somebody to say, to I'm going to vote maybe. one or two independents, thinking that that might be what makes the difference between getting the party that they actually exactly. want to get into government and not. Uh, there was one on, and interesting this one, we didn't offer people a choice, a multiple choice question on who they thought would make the best chief minister for the next four years. Uh, Fabian Picardo leads... Uh, this question on 55%. Uh, Keith Asopardi at 23% is what we were talking earlier, that despite the GSD polling slightly ahead when it comes to the party, Fabian Picardo has more than doubled the lead over Keith Asopardi as choice for chief minister. Stephen? It's interesting that because that those results are a source of both comfort and worry, I would say, for, for both, uh, both candidates, both leaders. I mean, Fabian Picardo will be very happy, I'm sure, that he polls 55%, but he'll be concerned that he's behind, or his party mm -hmm. is behind in the polls. Whereas Keith Asopardi, who doesn't do so well in the personal vote, only gets 23%, will say, well, but, but the GSD is ahead of the GSLP. So really, as we were saying at the, at the beginning, you can probably uh, pick the best bits and ignore the ones that 
I'm so favourable. And then use them in your promotional video. It, <laughs> it has to be said as well, I think it's an important piece of information, that this was an optional question, and from 1,109 respondents, about only half of them offered a name. Marlene. Yeah, this is what I, <clears throat> excuse me, this is what I wanted to pick up on, that we have to a note that out of the 1,109 respondents, only 517 people answered this question. So obviously that's roughly about 50% of response, respondents, and the poor response rate to this answer could well indicate that people don't actually feel engaged towards any of the two leaders or not enough. I mean, we don't know the two slates yet fully, but we do know who the two leaders are. And 600 people did not respond to that question. And those were their only two options. So if 600 people didn't answer, then the value of the actual answer presented equates to effectively 55% of the 46% that have answered, meaning the answer only comes to a realistic 25% of respondents. In, in general, it was 25% of the pie opting for Fabian Picardo and 11% opting for Keith Asopardi, leaving the window for populating quite largely either of those two options being wide open. But, but it also says overall that Fabian Picardo is a much more popular candidate as leader from what we do have on the table right now to analyse. Yes, I was going to say, Marlene, that you must be quite pleased with this particular uh, result because even though you said some time ago that you wouldn't be standing for election, you still managed to get... 2% of the vote, which is 1% more than Josto Garcia votes. Yeah, I, I got a, a good result and I wasn't even there. <laughs> exactly. so, so thank you, people, for the vote of confidence. But, um, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, all we can extrapolate from that, given that the reality is that my party, me, isn't standing, is where are those votes going to actually go? Um, I just, I feel like one almost gets the impression that people in the main want some kind of change and maybe want to vote GST, but they might not be fully registering their confidence with its leader. And that is what we hear on the streets a lot. And of course, Fabian Picardo is the known quantity, has the authority and the track record. And I suppose Keith Asopardi has to, um, has to up his game in the next few weeks. But I mean, they certainly will be energised in general by this result. And the GSLP will have a wake-up call because it's the first time, I think, in 12 years that this that a poll challenges the natural assumption mm. that the GSLP is going to win. And by no means is that obvious after today. And just as Stephen, of course, mentioned that, Malen, you had come in on, on that percentage, uh, around 2%. I think interesting to just point to our listeners this evening, uh, once again to reiterate, Fabian Picard on 55%, Keith Azopardi on 23%. But then nobody really, well, nobody in double figures apart from them. Everybody then comes in from under 3%. So is that just an engaged electorate who knows who's standing as leader? But, I mean, I'm sorry, but people are going to vote on a realistic prospect. Yeah. And I'm not trying to 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 bring myself in here, but you have three percent for my name, but because I'm not standing and all the other names are not standing yeah. as leaders. So you can't expect people to realistically put their vote with names of people who are not standing. They're going to vote for the party leaders. They're going to vote for the leaders of the party of of people who are standing and there's only two. So again, in my respectful view, I would have said who would you prefer? Fabian Picardo or Keith Azabardi? Because those are your only realistic two options. And because, of course, as we're saying, you should be happy that your name has featured <laughs> in this. But, of course, if you were standing as leader of, of a party and you came in at 3%, you'd be telling me, well, you wouldn't be telling us, but you'd be extremely disappointed. Absolutely. And I think to be, you know, I'd, um, 
trying to be humble here, but I think it would be a bit higher than 3%. So they're not realistic. You know what I mean? We, yeah, don't, know, could, we, we don't know, for example, um, if, Keith Asopardi, if somebody other than Keith Asopardi were leading the GSD, would they have a better chance at this election? And also, Fabian Picardo has 55%. Would he have more or less now that we know the new candidates and who's dropped out? I think, yeah. if I may say, um, the, the, the reason for this uh, lack of information is the fact that we haven't had polls over the last mm. four years. And I find it a little bit sad that we're getting a poll three weeks before the actual poll and we should have been getting a poll over the last four years intermittently in order to gauge tracking. Tracking is very important because it shows And trends. then we'd have something to compare it with as of well. Of course. Yes. I, I put Marlene on the spot earlier. I'm going to put you, James, on <laughs> of course the spot you can. now. Are, are you going to, is the GPC going to publish another poll in the next week or two? So I'd, With I'd, the names of all the candidates? I'd love to do one of those. It's, it has been discussed and we have spoken about it. I think what we have to t- try and look is at the time frame. Because we did this face-to-face, uh, and as you very well know, doing a face-to-face poll with more than 1,000, which I think is a significant number from, from, the, from the electorate, from the potential electorate. Um, so we, we would love to do one, but this poll has taken about seven to eight days and it takes the time to collate and if you want to do something that's significant and not just go out there and do it properly we need perhaps more time than a week i'd love i'm going to say yes i'd love to do it but i'm going to opt out from committing 100 percent on that stephen maybe an exit poll because oh no (laughs) we'll definitely we are definitely looking at having an exit poll yes i can can confirm that because can i just say as well that you know we we had agents out and about and i just want to say thank you to everybody who's worked so hard on the poll because when you and the information was collated confidentially. People were invited to, if they didn't want to share with the the person who was doing the poll the information, they could take the tablet and fill that in confidentially and privately. But I hear from some of them that some people actually take between five and ten minutes to complete the poll. Now, when you're doing that face-to-face, imagine how long it takes yeah. to do ten so, so, you know, it does take a lot of time. I'm not making any excuses. I'm just saying what mm. the reality is James, if I of may, doing polls like this, and they're also very expensive. So, for the sake of long-termism, <laughs> yeah. if, I would, if I would humbly ask you to actually try and make polls intermittently over an electoral term, because yeah. that gives us a lot more information and data mm. to, to and, gather. And then we can almost draw that graph and see how sort Maybe of a party is progressing. Maybe yeah. year that a, a party has been It's in a office. democratic imperative as well. I mean, yeah. it's crazy that we haven't had a poll in four years by any of our media outlets. Yeah. No, I think I, I, I totally agree, and, and I, I'm totally with you, which is why we did want to do this poll and why we felt it was so important to do this poll. Uh, let's go to news engagement, and this is this this is an interesting one because it's on how closely people will follow the news about candidates for the 2023 Gibraltar election. And I want to ask this question in the context of that 31% of people who say don't know. So very closely, fairly closely, about 7 out of 10 people are going to be following the news about the candidates. Is that going to influence that huge percentage of don't knows? For sure. It's going to help them form their decision on election day, and I think it is a good result. Definitely, it's um, it's almost it's seventy percent practically of people just under of people who are interested, and those people, many of them, might be in the undecideds and are up for grabs. So it will make all the difference. That's why the panorama could look extremely differently um, very soon. In fact, the the not too closely than the not at alls are quite quite a small number so i mean as a democrat i think 
it's a it's a good day to see that that people are going to be participating and um and watching debates and listening to what the media mm. and the manifestos are going to say because but, but because is that what it actually means because uh, when i saw those questions mm-hmm. not too closely and not at all closely does that indicate that they're not going to be bothering to watch the programs and listen to Well I don't well, well I think I think it probably means and, and I'm not going to put you on the spot but I'm going to ask you about your experience covering general elections and you will know this very very well I suppose that there is a number or a part of our demographic that will vote for the party regardless of the candidates in that party if you are a GSLP liberal supporter from all your life or a GSD supporter from all your life that is the party that you're going to vote there is an element of our society that votes the party come what may right yeah but this is where i think the party the GSLP actually at least has let down its party because we haven't had a good indication of the voter base in which party are you planning on voting for because it's only at 21% when normally one would assume that the basic base there would have been 35 to 40 so maybe the base is at risk shall we say and it's all the more reason to to speak to these voters who are no longer guaranteed because i think that the guaranteed base has suffered in the in the gslp camp and in the gsd it's almost exactly the same as the result that they got in 2019 so it's almost like they haven't actually moved according to the poll they've retained their very base but the gslp has really taken a dent their base so if anything You know, I think it's for the GSLP to work hard at at solidifying that. Let's just take a pause because of course we know that uh, this evening the GSLP are uh, the membership is voting or is ratifying the names put forward. We heard last night uh, that they are Fabian Picardo, Joe Vosano and John Cortés who we know from being MPs they have four new faces that's for the GSLP side of the alliance uh, the four new faces Nigel Feetum who we spoke to I think was last week and then Patrick Fila N- Nigel no uh, Nigel sorry sorry <laughs> Nigel I do beg your pardon Freudian slip Nigel Feetum uh, Patrick Fila Christian Santos and Gemma Vasquez and we spoke to Patrick Fila Christian Santos and Gemma Vasquez earlier today Well, I'm very excited. Uh, it would be an honor to to be able to be a minister for Gibraltar, a, a community uh, that I am passionate about. I've spent the last two years as mayor of Gibraltar, uh, being able to celebrate my community, but not really having the power to be able to make real change or help people in the way that it really matters. So, for me, the motivation has been. Um, because essentially it is an honor to be a representative for my people and for Gibraltar. I think I'm a people person. I think I I I care for my community uh, deeply and I think everybody who knows me and I think there are many many people who know me especially all the ones I've taught in the past. I know that that they will bet that I will never change. I never have changed. I've always been the person I am. I am looking very very much I'm looking very forward to working with uh, the community with the people and helping as many as we possibly can. I think I I bring a dynamic uh, enthusiasm and I can't wait to get started in this. I'm very proud and very excited to have been selected as a candidate. Um as to my motivation um I make no secret of the fact that I'd love the health portfolio. I spent some time away from Gibraltar um with my son who was very very ill. Um and I think that there are some improvements that could be made um to the system um for people that are away from Gibraltar um and the general um interaction with the GHA. 
Uh, therefore, I look to use a, what was a very negative experience and a very difficult personal experience to help others make imp- and make improvements in the system. Gemma Vasquez, Pat Orfila and Christian Santos speaking to our reporters earlier today. We in fact have a question for the panel from Paul who's listening and he says, is Christian Santos expected selection for the GSLP a masterstroke by the Chief Minister or will it backfire? And uh, Paul goes on to say, will it sit well with the electorate that Mr Santos has sprung into party politics from his most recent role as a political uh, a political civic mayor? Um... Shall I go first? <laughs> I'm happy to. Take, take your pick, guys. <laughs> I think that um, I think there is a, a, a potential controversy with the Christian Santos appointment. I mean, I have to say that Christian, as a as an individual and as a professional, is extremely efficient and 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 very competent in what he does. But the question in a, in a lot of people's minds right now is: Have we effectively the taxpayer? paid for the grooming of a political candidate through the mayor's parlour. And is this an abusive position? Because other parties haven't had the same privilege to to put their uh, potential candidates up on the stage and build their profile. And I think this is something that personally wouldn't have sat well with me if I was if I was electing candidates that I had already uh, proclaimed as as mayor in this case. But, I mean, again, the the community will decide, and this is what elections are for, and this is how we see whether whether people have made the right decisions with their candidates. Stephen? Yes, I think that, um, by and large, the, the choice of mayor, the people that have been mayors or mayoresses uh, since the civic mayor was introduced have been apolitical, largely, or at least if they have been inclined to favour one party over the next, we haven't really uh, known that much about it. It hasn't been overt. And it doesn't really sit very well with the fact that is only that Christian Santos has only just relinquished, really, the mayorship. And before you know it, he's standing for election with the GSP Liberals. But we don't know what's going to happen, I suppose. And, and the, the proof of the pudding will be when we see the list of, uh, of results where he figures on the GSLP Liberals list. I'm just going to give you time to grab some water, take a pause. Let's uh, cross uh, live to uh, the John McIntosh Hall where reporter Rosa Stengel is at that GSLP meeting, I think, happening uh, this evening. Uh, Ros, good evening to you. Hi, yes, good evening. Well, I'm not actually in the meeting, James, but as you know, I'm outside. It's a closed meeting, but I must say it is certainly very, very noisy in there. Lots of shouting, uh, cheering, stamping, hands clapping. Of course, they are party activists in there. They're members in there, and that is why they have so much support. Now, um, I can tell you that what's happening so far is that the new candidates, uh, Gemma Vasquez, Nigel Seaton, Pat Orfila and Christian Santos are all giving their speeches. In fact, Christian Santos is just about to speak now. I can't quite make, make out what's being said, but obviously it wouldn't be quite right for me to sort of tell you what, what's being said. It would be a little bit cheeky. But um, certainly every, every time a speech ends, there's a rapturous applause. So, James, I don't know if it's ever happened where the membership hasn't ratified the slate presented to them by the executive. Perhaps Stephen Leach can answer that one. By the way, very interesting listening to Stephen and Marlene give their analysis. They have been listening here, been sitting on my own in the lobby, <laughs> half listening to the show and trying to gauge what's going on up there. Um, I, can I, also I will, I will you, joke, Ros, that that's hmm? the reason why you can't make out what the others are saying in their speeches, but thank you for listening. <laughs> 
That's okay. And just to <laughs> let you know that um, Fabian Picardo, party leader, is going to be stepping out at around 8.30. He's going to join me live and uh, we'll get some reaction from, for, from the day's events, because as Marlene said earlier on, it hasn't been a great day, has it? First of all, the poll, then we had uh, uh, former member Alan Asker speaking to Radio Gibraltar, making those quite strong comments, saying uh, there was a deficit of democracy in, within the party. So I'll be getting a reaction from that live on GBC News tonight at 8.30. Great. We'll be, we'll be tuning into that. Uh, Ros, very quickly, were you there when the, the potential party candidate arrived at the John McIntosh Hall? Uh, did they speak to you? How were they looking? How do you think they're feeling? To, to be honest with you, uh, the only one I did see, because I ended up chatting to Fabian Picardo as he came in, and that took my attention away from the others a little bit, but uh, Nigel Seaton, do we ever see him without a smile on his face? So he came in really, really very cheerful. And I, it's, you know, if, if you want me to gauge the mood, I would say it's positive. Uh, everyone looks quite relaxed. Uh, it's, it's, of course, they're not, they're not going to show any anxiety. I mean, Fabian Picardo in particular, he's a, he's a master media, isn't he? He's not going to give too much away. But he was certainly, when I spoke to him, very relaxed. Uh, he seemed quite hum- confident. And I must tell you, off the record, I did have a conversation with a senior party member earlier on uh, today who refuted comments made on the radio by Alan Asker today. So I guess that's the flavour of what we're going to catch later on uh, when he does speak to us live. And, of course, he'll confirm um, the ratification of those candidates when uh, he speaks to us live on GBC Television tonight. Rosa Stengel live from the lobby of the John McIntosh Hall where that GSLP meeting is underway. Thank you for your time this evening. Thank you for joining us on the first programme of Election Watch. Uh, Stephen, Ros was just mentioning there uh, whether in history there's any point in the past when at this point that list of party members has not been ratified by the membership. I think at this point we can sort of almost read into this unless there's a a huge disaster for the party this is it isn't it i think so i don't think there's likely to be much change there i imagine that the liberals may well present the same three candidates that have been in government so far so i don't think there's going to be a shock there um the gsd has apparently according to them got quite a number of candidates to fill the 10 slots but of course they had more vacancies as well because they had seven members originally and only six after Marlene left. So there were already uh, four vacancies there, irrespective of whether any of their members were, were going to stand down. Do we know how well or otherwise parties who change their lineups when you've been in government, uh, you know, how, how well do you fare going into an election? Uh, is that good news? Do you have to introduce more candidates to, to the electorate? What mm, happens? That's, that's an interesting um, point which I researched this morning. And it's um, interesting to see that only once since 1992 which is the first time I think that both the GSD and the GSLP contested an election. Only once has a party in office, in government, um, won the election if they've made more than one change, if they've had more than one new face. In 1992, for example, the GSLP changed just the one, and um, in 1996, when they lost, they changed three. They had three new faces. And similarly, the GSD in 2007, when they lost, also made... Uh, uh, no, sorry, in 2011, they, they changed four of their candidates and they lost. Other than that, it's been 
one one new face each time. Yeah, 2011 was when the GSLP first got into power. So that's, that's right. Because we're referring here to parties that have been in government when you go into the election changing the, a number of faces mm, from the lineup. That's correct. Yeah. Um, so um, I think that it could work for or against. I think in the case of the GSLP, actually, four new faces could potentially invigorate the lineup, especially, I mean, it's no secret that some of the MPs that have left the, 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 the GSLP uh, government were not the most popular um, MPs and had some baggage um, through their policies or their style. And perhaps the new candidates will actually pose an improvement for the GSLP. Then the other, and, and I think um, it's fair to say that in the case of the GSLP, for better or worse, their four candidates are quite identifiable. They're known around town. They're known in, in the finance, in the legal sector. All that helps because I think in Gibraltar, um, it's extremely uh, important for a party to do well. Their candidates have to have a good level of identifiability. And I think that the GSOP has had that in exchange for losing some of their less populars. So I think that's, um, that's, a, that's probably a bonus. And I think in this case of the GST, can work for them or against them in the sense that it could invigorate, could bring younger people, could bring them more closer to the people despite their previous stuffy, sort of more conservative appearance, but they would really need to be quite identifiable because if you get a lot, a seven, a big block of newbies mm. who are not really people who have contributed to Gibraltar, to the system, who are well known, they could suffer the whole uh, newbie syndrome, they're not experienced and I think that the GSOP will use that against them. Well, one of those questions is who will be on the GSD lineup? I think we can cross to Jonathan Sacramento who's outside the GSD party headquarters this evening. Uh, Jonathan, uh, good evening, are you, are you there? Hi, James. Yes, I'm here. Thank you for joining us uh, so much. Uh, I'm sorry, I'm a little bit rusty. I, I knew I had lined you up properly and I thought you were there, but I did have to check. Um, have we seen any potential candidates? We've been speaking to Rosa Stengel. We know what the meeting is happening at the GSLP. You're at GSD headquarters. What's happening there this evening? Right. So we know that there are 18 potentials. Uh, out of these, 12 are current executive members and six are non-executive members. We haven't been given a list of names officially, but you know, this is what we do. We try and sniff around, we find out who's coming in, who's going out, and, uh, uh, then, and uh, we've been uh, staking out the GSD headquarters this afternoon. We know, of course, that the four uh, MPs who are still on the GSD slate, uh, Keith Asopari, obviously the leader, Ray Clinton, Edward Regis, and Damon Mosino, they're all going for it as well. Uh, they're, they're all back in the fold. We know that Elliot Phillips uh, and Daniel Featham are not standing again for election. And then you have all the others, the other 14 names we've been scouting around. We know that uh, Craig Sagarello has put his name forward, Atreus Sanchez as well. Nick Cruz might raise a few eyebrows and might surprise some people, but yes, he is one of the people who has put his name forward. Uh, and uh, another is Joseph Capurro. Uh, um, Matthew Turnock as well, we understand, uh, has put his name forward for election. Uh, and those are uh, Giovanni Origo and Daniela Tilbury, uh, all names of people that we recognize as being part of the uh, GSD fold. Uh, so, yes, uh, quite a few names uh, popping up, uh, but who will be the ones who make the final 10? We don't know yet. <laughs> are, we likely to, are we likely to know tonight? Yes. 
we, we, we will definitely know tonight. Uh, and as soon as we have that information, uh, I mean, if it's within the, uh, within the uh, news half hour that we're live on air, that would be great. <laughs> uh, but obviously we can't uh, always... We can't always have everything perfectly lined up in that way. But, um, but no, but we have to tell the parties to time it to our GBC coverage, of course, don't we? <laughs> well, <yeah. laughs> we should anyway. <laughs> it, would, it would be amazing if everything worked out that way. But look, even if it doesn't happen in that news hour, we, uh, you know, just stay tuned to our socials. We'll, we'll tell you as soon as we know. Great. Jonathan Sacramento at GSD Party Headquarters. Thank you so much uh, for joining us uh, uh, this evening. He mentioned some of the names. Uh, Nick Cruz, does that raise an eyebrow? Well, it just makes me wonder <laughs> whether this isn't really a very well-thought-out strategy by the Progressive Democratic Party, oh. the PDP, to take over the GSD eventually. Because, of course, we know that Kira Sumpardi left the GSD to form the PDP. Mm-hmm. And when he left, Nick Cruz took over the reins of the PDP. Now they're both possibly going to be on the GSD slates. Are they going to take over? Yeah, yeah it's, it's not a surprise that he's supporting the GSD because he did a um, well. It is a, it, it, it did yeah, it a piece in the Gibraltar Chronicle I where he said I will be voting or he would be voting for yeah, the GSD. I think we see a lot of uh, op-eds from Nick Cruz <laughs> every now and then, favouring different parties and different candidates. So I think he's gone full circle now. <laughs> yeah. um, and do you, th- we'll do you think he'll make it to the lineup? I, I really don't know what's going on in that executive. It's anyone's guess, but I mean, the, there are twelve current execs in the in the lineup, and the exec chooses the 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 lineup. So I mean, I think there's some kind of a, a prior not priority, but natural. Uh, it's not the most democratic system, really, when the mm. executive is, is choosing and not the membership. But I suppose that also happens with the executive. Yeah, I suppose we've lost um, um, Edward Phillips, a barrister, mm-hmm. so we'll have to bring in another one. Yeah, yeah. we need, and, we and, need and, some and, more, don't yeah. we? And Danny Feetum <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. Danny Feetum's also a lawyer. Absolutely. Yeah, he's also left. Let's go back to the poll. Um, One more question that at least I want to really get in this evening with uh, Stephen Nish and Marlene Hassan. Uh, What are the main issues likely to influence uh, your choices at the next election? And uh, people polled could choose up to three. Uh, The results here, cost of living uh, leading uh, Mm. this uh, question at 48%. Uh, In second place, healthcare at 45%. The EU treaty at 34%. I suppose not a big surprise. Um, I think that considering the way that things are at the moment with inflation and the the difficulties and hardships that people are facing, it makes sense that the cost of living came on top and it came on top from the demographic of 18-year-olds all the way to the 50-year-olds. And interestingly, the 50 and over, their top choice was healthcare, which kind of makes sense as we get older and our priorities kind of shift and maybe we're retired and we don't have to worry that much for the cost of living and more about our health. And then in second and third place, generally, it was uh, intermittent between health and housing, health and housing, um, between the 18-year-olds and the 50-year-olds. And then the EU treaty, funnily enough, didn't play that much of a of a of a huge priority considering what we are what we're facing at the moment is it among men though Marlene, because it, if you if you break it up yes. between men and women yes. for men it's the second most important issue Funny on that. 41% yeah. behind cost of living yeah. um, for the women it's still important but not as much it's yeah. it's uh, they, the women had it sixth on the list with 26% mm-hmm. 
So, but overall, it is third. So, I think it is on, on, on very much on people's minds. Yeah, and also, I mean, at the end of the day, when you you have a different setting, a different category for foreign policy, I mean, mm. foreign policy and EU treaty yeah, is pretty yeah. much the same as what's going on now. So, really, if you do add it up, it does come come higher. There, there, there were two omissions from the questions. I know that questions can't be infinite, and so you have to decide on which ones you're going to include in terms of, uh, of of the main issues. But for me, a glaring omission there was education. Mm, yeah. I think education normally would be on any uh, on any questionnaire and arguably something like style of government, which I think you hear people talking about that they're either happy with it or, or they're not. That's not there either. So yeah. maybe it would have been useful to have both both of those on the list. Yeah, very valid points, absolutely. Um, right, so lots that we've unpacked over the past hour. Just uh, very quickly, I also want to look at that overall result uh, by district and by age, because I think this also um, gives us a, a food for thought and really some really interesting statistics. And I, and I wonder whether you've uh, got to the same conclusion that I have here. In By ages, the GSLP Liberals lead in the over 60s by yeah. quite a margin, by 32, uh, 32% yeah. over the GSD at 18%. I think when it comes to ages, uh, the GSDs perhaps more split, but they do best in the 40 to 49 But don't you find that category. really strange? Because mm. at the end of the day, the GSLP has put themselves out there as a more progressive party they've done uh they've legislated for minorities we've had the abortion referendum and yet the gsd is doing better with the 30s to 50s and the gsop is doing better with the older demographic and i found that to be quite an anomaly that i wouldn't have expected do we know why we think that would be more settled perhaps, perhaps in life the, perhaps we can infer that the gsop's block older bosanista base is where it's at and mm -hmm. that's what dominates their base and that is the older generation of the bosano days which would obviously correspond to over 60s and maybe those looking for a change of government who are more plugged in or in the younger generation i don't know i mean it's anyone's guess but it i found it quite startling to be fair and when we talk about uh, neck and neck when we sort of narrow it down by districts uh, the gslp and liberals both on exactly 24 percent at the north district and then interestingly the gsd take the south district and town and uh, in this poll uh, the gslp liberals do best in upper town and west side again surprises i mean we have haven't divided this into the 12 or 15 polling stations but these are the districts which then divide into the polling stations if that makes sense yeah i can also, i can add also that there are more don't knows among women than men 34 percent of men said they weren't sure who they'd be voting for mm -hmm. but uh, only 29 percent of men so it seems that um that men are more decided already which way they're going to cast their vote than women. Having having said that, and when we talk about that 31% overall of don't know, it's consistent across, uh, at least a high level percentage is consistent across the ages and across all the districts of people who don't know. I mean, the lowest is, what, 25% in the North District? Mm -hmm. And then it ranges up to 37 in the West Side. But, but nobody goes under... 25%. No district goes under 25% when it comes to the don't knows and undecided. So, you know, that's quite a significant find in the way that it's not one particular area or one particular age group. It seems to be 
Even almost as spread. a community. Yeah. And of course, the GSOP have always had their strongholds, as the GSD in, um, over the years. So I don't think the locations come as too much of a surprise. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's all we have time for. I told you that time would fly. I hope you've, you've enjoyed yourselves. Thank you so much for helping us to unpack... Uh, what is a really, in essence, a very, very complicated data and, and stuff. So thank you for helping our listeners understand it better. One final point from you, if, if you'd like, on anything from the poll, anything that's been discussed tonight, one final thought, uh, Stephen Nish, former editor of GBC News. Basically, that is all to play for still. It's early days. We don't know the full lineups of all the different parties. So I think that's... You have to do another poll. <laughs> yes, another Marlene poll Hassan. for sure. And I also think that there is an indication that there is an appetite for change, but people have still not fully committed to it. And that's where the discrepancies lie. You've been listening to Election Watch on Radio Gibraltar, on GBC Television, Radio Gibraltar and online. We'll keep, keep you up to speed with all the developments of Gibraltar election 2023. Next Monday, our debates, our series of debates with the candidates starts as from next Monday, both across Radio Gibraltar and GBC Television. We'll be giving you details uh, throughout the week. Thank you for listening and we'll continue to keep you informed. GBC Podcasts, local voices on demand.